Welcome to this episode of God Day. I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to share about having the winner's attitude. Uh, really that when God has told you something, see it through, don't quit. And refuse to, to be discouraged, to be defeated. But when God has given something to you, do it with all your heart. And um, Isaiah 119 gives us, if you like, the two keys, and I, which I really want to share with, two keys for uh, doing God's work and doing God's will. And, and, and really, especially, I want to apply it to intercession, for, to, to prayer. Um, and the, it says that the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. And, and the, the two things here are, first of all, the willingness of heart and then the obedience in our action. Those are the keys for success. First of all, our heart must be right. We must have a willing heart because if our actions don't come out of a, of a heart that's submitted to God, however strong we are and however um, persevering we are, we're, we're not really doing God's will, you know. It, it's good to have this bulldog kind of attitude that I'm going to keep doing it until I win. But if you're not actually doing what God's told you to do, then it has limited value. So before we talk about that winning attitude, which is the, the, the refusal to quit on something that you've started, we first of all need to say, first of all, you need to make sure that that, that, that what you are doing is from God. And that begins with a willing heart, with a submitted heart. And then once you've received the grace of God, once you've heard the voice of God, then do it with all your heart. Refuse to quit, however difficult it seems to get. That's what I want to share with you about. So, but it begins with us connecting with God's grace. The, the Bible says, let us come th boldly to the throne of grace. See, God's grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace for well-timed help. And, and notice the grace of God flows from his throne. God's grace is his power and his ability in us to do what he wants us to do. And it, it flows from the throne of grace. So to come to the throne, we have to come with a submitted heart. We have to realize it's the highest place of authority in the universe. So we come with a submitted heart. We can't control the grace of God. We can only submit to the grace of God. And as we do that, the grace of God will be like a river in us that carries us to do God's will. You will want to do God's will. When you're under grace, you want to do his will because you are being empowered by the grace of God. And that starts by having a submitted heart that, that comes to his throne and say, God, I want your will. Please empower me to do your will. And so grace 
starts from God. We don't want to do our own works, which the Bible said are dead works. We want to do his work for his glory. And so that starts by being willing, having a willing, submitted heart. Because there's a difference between doing good and doing God. God, We want God to be the prime mover in what we do. Um, And so that starts by, and, and then what we do is called obedience. And obedience has value. You know, it says, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And, and in the context, sacrifice is a man-made work. Sacrifice is something that Saul did as a kind of substitute for obeying God, a good kind of thing. And, and that doesn't really have value to God. But what does is obedience. When we hear God speak to us and we do it, then that's better, it says. And so that's why Jesus said that the number one key to bearing fruit, it's in the parable of the sower. And and his punchline, his big message in the whole parable of the sower is, he who has ears, let him hear. Literally, let him hear and keep on hearing. The key is to hear God speak to you, to hear the word of God. And once you hear the word of God, then do it. How's the key to hearing is to value the word of God, to give your full measure of attention to the word of God, and then you will do it. And that's the key to everything. And so he says, with the measure of hearing that you give to the word of God, the measure of attention, it will be measured back to you. The blessing will be measured back to you. And so that's how Jesus operated. If you go to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 onwards, is a beautiful song about the Messiah, Jesus. And this whole secret to his ministry is right here. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me, this is Jesus speaking, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. How can we know exactly what to say in each situation, what to do in each situation, like Jesus did? And this is the secret. He awakens me morning by morning. Every morning, Jesus got up as God woke him up. And it says, he awakens my ear as the learned. In other words, God started to open his ear, to teach him, to show him what to do. Jesus had a submitted heart. His ear was open to God, his father. And then it says, the Lord God has opened my ear. God's opened his ear so he could hear what, because he had a willing heart. And then he says, I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. In other words, as you read on, it's clear that God, the father was revealing to Jesus his will for his life and what he would have to do and what he would have to suffer, even die. And he says, I didn't, I wasn't rebellious to that. I kept my heart willing to do God's will. And of course, he was then obedient. You can only be obedient if you keep a willing heart before God. And Jesus was obedient unto death, and therefore God highly exalted him. Praise God. So it all begins with the heart. We must keep our heart soft and submitted to God, saying, God, your will be done. Talk to me. Reveal your will to me. I love Proverbs 21.1. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. You know, you want to be a king in life? You want to succeed in life? You want victory in your life? You want to reign as a king in life, as Romans 5 says? 
The key is you must get your heart into the hand of the Lord. If you get your heart into the hand of the Lord, then you will start connecting with his grace. You see, the hand of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God. And so the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. You've got to get your heart into his hand. And once you've got it into his hand, he will empower you to do his will and guide you to do his will. It's a bit like a hand in a glove. Our soul isn't, isn't strong. Our soul is like a glove. It's weak in itself. It's designed to be filled with the Spirit. It's designed to be filled with the hand of the Lord. And then it can do great and wonderful things as it lets the hand guide him and empower him to do what it wants to do. And so when we get our hand, our glove, as it were, into the hand of the Lord, then his hand will empower us. And then it says like rivers of living water. That's describing the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord in us, the Holy Spirit, is like rivers of living water. So when you get your hand, your heart, into the hand of the Lord, that manifests as rivers of living water flowing out of you, empowering you. That's the grace of God, you see. As a willing heart, the result of a willing heart is that now the hand of the Lord comes upon you. And... uh, The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. So when you humble yourself before God, then you start coming in contact with his grace. You start to connect with his grace. That's the hand of the Lord that's like rivers of living water. And notice it says he, that's the hand of the Lord, turns it, that's your heart, wherever he wishes. So in other words, as you put your heart into his hand, He can turn your heart in the direction that he wishes. He starts giving you his desires in your heart and you start desiring to do his will. And you start knowing what the will of God is. And then as you obey his will, you find great satisfaction and joy because you're doing his will. And so that is is the number one key, is to get your heart into his hand, to connect with the grace of God, with the will of God. That's to be willing and then to be obedient. But before we go to that side, I just want to see a little picture of this connecting with God's grace before his throne in the story of Esther. I'm sure you know the story that they were, uh, this wicked Haman was a, had plotted to kill all the Jews and that the only hope was really Queen Esther, who was a Jew, although secretly, and she had to make intercession. And, and we need to make intercession. We need to connect with God's grace, with God's throne, and then our prayers will avail much. And, and so it says that she prayed and fasted. Uh, Esther 5.1, it says that, It happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house. Now, she now was making her approach to the king. That took a lot of courage because the king hadn't called her for a whole month. And uh, so she made her approach. But I want you to notice she didn't come in in her pajamas. She came in in her royal robes. Uh, Had she come in just in her normal dress? I don't think the king's heart would have been excited. I don't think he would have had favor toward her. But she dressed in her royal robe. She showed um, respect to the king. She showed honor to the king. 
and she looked as beautiful as she could look. And it says that the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. And uh, so it was, it says, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. I want you to notice what's happening here. This is a picture for us that how we come to the throne is very important. We, don't, we, we realize that the throne, that the king has all authority, that he is majestic, and we must come to God's throne, not like he was just equal to us. We come with praise. We come with thanksgiving. We thank him for his grace to us. We, we praise him for his faithfulness and for his power. We honor him and, and we worship him. We give him the honor that's due his name. And I believe that when we come in the right way, we, we activate the grace of God. We activate the favor of God. And that's what happened with Esther. She activated by the, the favor of God and the favor of God. His heart was stirred up toward Esther and he wanted to favor her. And he, he demonstrated that. He held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And so this was a symbol. This golden scepter with a, with a kind of gold thing at the end was a picture of the fact that he was extending grace and favor toward her. And when we come to the throne of God, I believe what happens is when we come in the right way with a submitted, willing heart, then the grace of God now is activated towards us. It's like that scepter. Gold is the divine nature. And his grace and favor is now toward us. And we become aware of his grace flowing toward us now because we've come with that humble heart. And I want you to notice that then Esther went near. She went near and touched the top of the scepter. I love that. See, that's the picture of us with our faith reaching out and connecting with the grace of God. See, first of all, by our love for God, we activate the grace of God. We activate the favor of God by honoring God, by loving God, by giving him our heart surrender. And once the grace of God is activated, then we can reach out and we can receive. We can appropriate the grace of God ourselves. We connect with the grace of God. That's the key to connecting with the grace of God. It's not just faith, but it's our love. Now, remember it says in Galatians that faith, that what's effectual is faith working through love. You see, the love comes first, actually, and the faith works through love. So as we love God, as we approach him, as we honor him, then our faith that's able to appropriate and receive the grace of God starts to act properly. Often people's faith doesn't work very well because they're not loving God. When you love God and you honor God and you come to him in that right way, then you'll find your faith works much better. And Esther was able to lay hold, draw near and lay hold. So that way we draw near and we believe we receive the grace of God in our life. And then Esther was able to make those intercessions that turn the whole situation around in her country. So that's the first thing I want to emphasize, that anything really important that happens in your life that has divine significance, it begins with you coming to the throne of God in a submitted heart, worshiping him, and then connecting with the grace of God and letting the grace of God now direct 
your life and your actions and your prayers, and then they will be truly powerful. But I'm going to go to key two in the remaining time and just say this second part, the second key to victory, really, the second key uh, is the winner's attitude. The winner's attitude is this, that once you've heard the voice of God, once you've heard the word of God to you, once you're aware of the grace of God empowering you to do something, then obey. Do it with all your heart and refuse to quit until you've seen it through. Refuse to quit until you know that God says, well done, you've done it. You've done what I've asked you to do. And you have that peace, you have that assurance. Maybe it's God's told you to pray for something. And so you, you pray and you're thinking, well, how, how long should I pray for this thing? Well, the attitude you should have is I'll, I'll do it until I know God's, you know, I'm not saying this about all your prayers, but something that God has especially put on your heart to pray for, then, and he's graced you to do, then you do it until God gives you that note of victory, until God tells you, thank you, you've done what you need to do. You've done what I asked you to do. And, um, and only then do you do, you, do you do that. And I want to tell a story uh, involving Elisha from 2 Kings 13 that illustrates this beautifully. 2 Kings 13 verse 14, it says, Elisha had become sick with the illness with which he would die. And then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him. Now, Joash was not the best king. In all fact, all the kings of Israel were, were not good. Uh, a few of the kings of Judah were okay, were good, but none of the kings of, uh, of uh, Israel were given a good report. But this king, Joash, did honor the prophet. He was about to die. And he came down to him and he wept over his face and he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And I want you to notice that by honoring Elisha in this story, because he's the man of God, he represents God. And the king honored God because he honored the prophet. And because of that, God is now going to release grace toward him. Because he honored God, that activated the grace of God. And now God's wanting to do something for this king, to give him the victory. It starts by honoring God. And it says, Elisha said to him, this is God's response now. Elisha represents God in the story. Take a bow and some arrows. And he took himself a bow and some arrows. And of course, what's going to happen now is something symbolic. Something's going to happen between the prophet, but sorry, between the king and God. And what happens with our dealings with God in the secret place will then play, play itself out in our life. And what we're going we're gonna to see this happen. And the king is going to, there'll be a plus side, but there'll be a, down, a negative side too. And that's going to then be affected in the outcomes in his life. So let's read on. Uh, in verse 16, then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And so he put his hand on it. And Elisha, remember, representing God, put his hands on the king's hands. And here we see in this picture that the king, the, the prophet's hand is on the king's hand as they hold this bow and this arrow. That, of course, bow and arrow is a weapon. The enemy is Syria. Uh, and it's all about having victory over their enemy. 
And, uh, but the, the picture is that Elisha's hand represents God's hand. So God is saying, I am putting my hand of, on you. I'm putting my grace upon you right now. And I'm going to give you the ability to have victory over your enemy. He's putting his hand on the bow. So in other words, that when he fires the arrow, he's doing it under God's hand, under God's grace. And so this is a great opportunity for the king. God, he's saying, I'm with you. I give you victory over your enemy. And then it says, open the east window. Now the east window, remember Elisha's probably on his bed. On the east window is pointing towards Syria, the enemy. And he said, and he opened it and Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. So this is a picture of the arrow of the Lord going out against Syria. That's God's intent. God is making his intention clear. He wants to give the king victory over the enemy. And he, and he made it clear. He said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, because Syria had been oppressing Israel continually. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians and Aphek until you have destroyed them. So this is God's will. He's saying, my grace is here for you, but you have to be obedient. You have to strike the Syrians and you have to keep striking the Syrians until you have completely destroyed their power over you, until you've completely defeated them. In other words, keep striking them until you've got the complete victory. And then God then takes this further. He says, then take the arrows and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So with these arrows, he was to strike the ground. He didn't tell him how many times to strike the ground. All right. And God will not tell you in advance what it's going to take. He'll tell you what to do. He won't tell you how long it's going to take or how persistent you're going to have to be. We don't get that information up front. He doesn't say strike the ground three times or however many times. He just says strike the ground. And so the king struck the ground three times and stopped. And you might think, well, that seems reasonable. Strike the ground three times. But it says that the man of God was angry with him because actually God was upset. He limited God. Now, why did he limit God? Because God had said, strike and keep on striking. You see, striking the ground with the arrows represents outwardly, it represented outwardly that each strike was an attack against Syria. And he had been told to just keep striking the Syrians until they were completely defeated. That would be the winner's attitude. You keep doing it until the victory is done, until God says, you've done it. But he didn't. He, his rational mind came in and he just struck the ground three times. It seems a reasonable thing to do, three times, you see. And that isn't the winner's attitude. That's, well, I'll, I'll, I'll obey God this far um, and then that, that'll be that. I don't want to overdo it. That's not the winner. The winner's attitude is you keep playing till you win. You keep doing it till, you do the, until you've done the job, whatever it takes. If you go in with the attitude is, oh, I'll put in this much effort, then all the enemy has to do is put a sufficiently large ob obstacle in your way and you'll quit. And you'll never win at anything. You have to have the attitude, I'm going to do it until it's completely done. And the man of God was, he measured his um, obedience by three times. The man of God was angry and said, you should have struck five or six times. 
In other words, now it becomes clear that had he done five or six, that would have guaranteed five or six victories against the Syrians, and then that would have completely dealt with that enemy once and for all. And be be because then you would have struck Syria till you would have destroyed it, he said. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You see, what happens between you and God determines what happens out there in your life. Had he struck it, what he should have done is this. He should have struck, he said, well, God said, keep striking. I don't know how many times I'm meant to do it, so I'm just going to keep striking until God tells me enough already. And so he should have just kept striking. And once he hit five or six, the God would have told the prophet, okay, stop, all right? Instead of surrendering to God and letting God be in control of how many times he struck it, he took the control to himself as to what he thought was reasonable, and he just struck it three times. And he failed in that regard. He only got a partial victory. And often we, do, we like to have the control. We must surrender the control to God. If God's told me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it till God tells me otherwise, you see. We don't try and second-guess God. And I want you to notice he would have, God would have said it six times. He would have said, all right, that's it. So when you pray, just keep praying till you get that note of victory that you know that God says, okay, you've done it. And had he done that, had he struck it six times, he would have got six victories that would have won the battle. But now he says, because you only struck three times in your prayer closet, therefore you're only going to get three victories. You'll get a partial victory, but you won't get the complete victory. And so... Pray until God says you've prayed through. Keep obeying God until God says, okay, that's, that's enough. Now you can go on to something else. You, you do not know in advance what it's going to take to accomplish that thing that God's told you to do. You might think it's an easy thing, but it ends up being much bigger than what you imagine. Or you might think this is going to be a big thing, and a few minutes later, you've prayed through. So... God doesn't tell you in advance because God likes to be in control and, and you've got to relinquish control to God and just be his obedient servant. Servant. The winner's attitude doesn't just apply to prayer, it applies to all of life. We see the outcome a few verses later in 2 Kings 13, 25. It says that Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, who was the Syrian king, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoaz, his father by war, three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. So notice it's recorded there that he did get three victories and it was enough, it was enough to, to push the Syrians back a bit. But he could have had, and that's why God was upset, he could have had six victories, he could have had total victory, you see. If you want to have total victory in your life, you have to have the winner's attitude, which is, I, I will obey God with all my heart. I refuse to quit until God says, job done. Keep striking the ground with your obedience until God says, well done, good servant. You've, you've done what I've... So in other words, God does not like lukewarm hearts. 
God wants us to be wholehearted. God's wholehearted in his love for you. He had the winner's attitude for you. He sent Jesus and Jesus went all the way for you. He didn't quit. He didn't pull back when it got too hard. He went all the way to, to save you. He had the winner's attitude and he expects the same from us, that we love him with all our heart. We do not pull back. We refuse to quit. Um, we, he wants us to be wholehearted in the way we serve him. And that will guarantee the full blessing of God in our life. That's the winner's attitude. I refuse to quit. I refuse to be defeated. I will keep doing the will of God until he says, all right, enough. Well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs>